Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscoll's. Only the finest berries. Hello, young chefs, and welcome back to Mystery Recipe. I'm Molly Birnbaum, Editor-in-Chief of America's Test Kitchen Kids. And I'm Mitzi, oven mitt, right-hand gal, and co-host on the show. Every week on Mystery Recipe, we'll be talking about the fun, fantastical, and fascinating sides of a different kitchen ingredient. Plus, at the end of the season, we'll use all the ingredients to cook a mystery recipe together. Can you guess what it is yet? So far, we know it will use pepper, mayonnaise, sriracha, lettuce, tortilla chips, and scallions. Yeah! So many ingredients already! It's so exciting! It's day two of Scallion Week. That's right! Today we have a garden-fresh round of tricky trivia, followed by a powerful conversation in Ask a Grown-Up. And Andrea is back to finish off the episode with a round of how-to time. I can't wait! Then let's get straight into the theme. Looks good. I bet it tastes good. Mystery recipe. You know, Mitzi, I just wanted to say that you've been doing such a good job with our intros this season. Hats off to you. Aw, thank you, Molly. But, um, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm not actually wearing a hat right now. Uh, neither are you. I don't mean a literal hat. Hats off is kind of an informal way of saying you did a good job. And congratulations. Hey, Mitzi. Hi, Molly. Molly, I noticed you left your laptop out in the hallway. I grabbed it because I didn't want anything to happen to it. Ah, thank you. I must have set it down without thinking. No problem. You wear a lot of hats around here. Sometimes you've got so much going on in your brain that you don't have space to remember things like where you put your laptop. Okay, I feel as though I have to point out that Molly is still not wearing a single hat right now. Still? Right before you came in, I was telling Mitzi that she does an excellent job starting each episode, and I used the phrase, hats off. Got it. That's just a saying, Mitzi. Just like what I said. I just meant that Molly does a lot of different things. She hosts this podcast, she edits books, she writes. She's an excellent poker player. Well, thank you. Saying someone wears many hats means they have a lot of different roles they may play at work or in school or on a team. It's figurative language, meaning that it isn't talking about specific real-life hats. Oh, that makes sense. Well, Bali, you really do wear a lot of hats. Hats off to you. Not literally. Unless. Unless? I've got to go. Right now? No time to explain. I'll fill you in when I get back. I think it's time for tricky trivia anyway. Maybe Susie can put on her thinking cap. Bye! Fun fact. Did you know that there are six metaphorical thinking caps? I did not know that. Dr. Edward DeBono wrote a book all about it like 35 years ago. It basically talks about different ways your brain might consider a question or issue. The six types of thinking caps, according to DeBono, are big picture, facts and information, feelings and emotions, negative, positive, and new ideas. Very interesting. Let's see if you wear any of those hats in today's round of tricky trivia. 
Listeners, I'm going to give Susie a fact about our ingredient theme, and you have to help her guess if it's true or false. Are you ready to play? Yes! All right, here's your first one. True or false, scallions and spring onions are the same thing. Interesting. I feel like you usually hear people say scallion, green onion, and spring onion pretty interchangeably. I know scallions and green onions are the same thing, but I'm honestly not sure about spring onions. Looks like I might have to make an educated guess on this one. I'm going to say true. I don't have much information about what makes them different, but I do know that they're similar. Ah, that one is actually false. Like you said, scallions and green onions are the same thing. They're both long, skinny alliums with a pretty green color, but they are different from spring onions. Scallions are slender all the way down their white base. Spring onions aren't. They have a bulb at their base that kind of looks like a tiny white onion. Interesting! I assume they taste a little different, too? They do. They taste pretty similar, but scallions are sharper and more pungent. Spring onions are slightly sweeter. Sounds like that'd make a good taste test. Agreed. Let's move on to our next question. The longest scallion ever recorded was over eight feet long. Oh, wow! That is a whole lot of allium. I mean, your typical scallion grows to be maybe eight inches. Eight feet is 12 times that. Eight feet is like taller than most grown-ups will ever be. I'm going to go with true for this one simply because it's such a fun fact. I want it to be true. Good guess. It is true. The Guinness World Record holding scallion measured 8 feet 3.68 inches. It was measured at the 18th Zhang Kuaiyu Scallion Culture Tourism Festival that took place in China in late 2020. That makes sense to me. I was doing a little research about worldwide food production, just for fun. You know how it is. And China is actually the leading onion producer in the world. Amazing. All right, last question for today's tricky trivia. The reason why some onions taste more pungent than others all comes down to the variety of the onion. Oh, that's a fun one, Molly. I can definitely answer this one confidently. Awesome. Why don't you give us the answer and then explain it? Sure thing. This one is false. While the variety of onion definitely plays a role in pungency, it's not the only thing affecting the flavor. The other thing is the soil the onion is growing in. Soil in different areas has a different mixture of nutrients, teeny tiny microorganisms, and amounts of water and air. Different soils also contain different amounts of the chemical element sulfur. Onions contain sulfur. Soil with more sulfur tends to make more intensely pungent onions. It supercharges the sulfur in the onion and makes a stronger flavor. All correct. While different onion varieties taste more or less strong based on the variety, the amount of sulfur present in the soil also makes a big difference. Great work. Well, I think that wraps up Tricky Trivia for today. Thank you. I'm all in on alliums. Hello, Tricky Trivia-ers. Hey, Mitzi! Wow, look at all those bags. Are you ready to fill us in on exactly what you are doing? I am. So, after all of our figurative hat talk this morning, I couldn't stop thinking about them. Hats? Oh, not just hats, Molly. Oh, so much more than just hats. Headgear of all kinds. 
such a wealth of caps, a breadth of designs and styles and utilities, a tall toque for a chef, hard hats for hardworking construction workers, a big floppy hat for when you're out in the sun. Wow, you're sounding really excited about hats there. Of course I am. I mean, you've got your classics, your baseball caps, your bowler hats, berets, newsboy caps, fedoras. The list goes on and on. Shall I go on and on? I think we've got the general idea. Of course. If you'd like to circle back to this later, just let me know. But anyway, I decided I want to be the kind of person that wears many hats, too. Except I figured I'd do it literally. Can I show you some of them? OMG! Yes, fashion show! Okay, first I've got this lovely bell-shaped cloach hat that I picked up at a vintage shop. I think it's a real statement maker. It really screams silent film, don't you think? Well, that type of hat was really popular in the 1920s, so it's a pretty fitting description. Hmm, a fitting description, but less fitting hat. I'm not sure how many silent film star oven mitts there were back then, but this hat is a little bit small for me. Okay, next one. Ta-da! What do you think? How cool am I? Is that a Kangol hat? Yes, I got it at Lids at the mall. The guy working at the store called me LL Cool Mitt when I tried it on in the store, so obviously I had to buy it. It looks like a bucket, but upside down and on my head. It's also a little small, but I can have the nickname without the hat, right? I like it. It looks really good on you, Mitzi. Thank you. Oh, I got something for you too, Susie. <gasps> this is beautiful. It's a fascinator, right? One of those fancy headpieces with flowers and feathers you see people wear at parties sometimes in England. Yes. Fascinators are so fascinating, and you are just a wonderful, fascinating person, Susie. And Molly, don't think I forgot about you. I almost wish you did. Very funny, Molly, but you are unforgettable, you know that. So unforgettable, sometimes I think you've put a spell on me. Oh, no. So I got you a sorcerer's hat. Wait, Mitzi, that just looks like a winter hat. Yeah, I thought about getting you a sorcerer's hat, but then I thought you might not actually like wearing that. So I decided to get you this cozy winter hat instead. But I thought maybe we could still pretend it's a sorcerer's hat, please. Oh, I love it. Thank you, Mitzi. You're welcome. I knew you'd like it. It was flying off the shelves. Hey, friends. Anybody know how this Robin Hood-looking hat with a feather in it got on my desk? Mitzi got everyone hats! I got you that one, Chad, because you've just accomplished so much with producing this season of Mystery Recipe. It's a real feather in your cap. Literally. Aw, thank you, Mitzi. I love it. Ugh, there was nothing. As much as I love talking about hats, this is sort of turning into a real hat talk show. I think it's about time we got started with today's Ask a Grown-Up segment. It sure is. What are we learning about today? Today, we're going to be talking to Grace Young about her work saving Chinatowns across the U.S. Sounds great. But before we get to Ask a Grown-Up, it's time for a quick word from our sponsors. Grown-ups, these ads are for you. I want to tell you about our sponsor, the Kroger Family of Stores. 
Kroger's pickup and delivery options make it easy to have grocery shopping be one less thing on your to-do list. To order a grocery delivery, you can shop online for the products you need and get them on your doorstep the same day. Planning ahead? You can also choose a date and time that works for you. Or try their pickup service and pick up your order at the store you choose. Kroger Associates will even bring out your purchases and load them into your car. It's great. Available in appropriate markets only. Find out more by going to Kroger.com today. I want to tell you about our sponsor, Driscoll's. Driscoll's raspberries are a sweet and delicious snack straight out of the clamshell. My daughter Olive and I shared some. What does it taste like? Almost like the blackberries. A little sour. But is it also super sweet? Do you love them? Yeah. How much do you love them? It's like 321. How does it make you feel to have berries for snacks? Like if you were on a rocket ship and you were flying to the moon, would that be how happy berries make you? Yes, that's how happy I am on the rocket ship to the moon. The sweetness isn't just inside these Driscoll's raspberries. It's also in the moments they help make. To discover where you can buy berries worth sharing, head to driscolls.com slash ATKKids. That's driscolls.com slash ATKKids. And we're back. And so is our friend and producer, Chad. Hello. So, Chad, let's talk about Grace Young. Since this is Scallion Week, I first thought of my all-time favorite use of scallions, scallion pancakes. Scallion pancakes are delicious, thin, fried, scallion-y pancakes that are very popular at U.S. Korean and Chinese food restaurants. But while doing my research on scallion pancakes, I came across the work of Grace Young and felt like we needed to find a way to introduce her to our listeners. So here she is to introduce herself. Hi, I'm Grace Young. I am a Chinese-American cookbook author, and I'm known for my uh, work in Chinese cooking, but my specialty is woks and stir-frying. Grace Young has three best-selling cookbooks, two James Beard Awards, and five IACP Awards. But it's the work she's been doing since the start of the coronavirus pandemic that I wanted to talk to her about today. During the pandemic, Grace became a champion for Chinatowns across the country. But before we find out what that means, I started by asking her, what is Chinatown? So Chinatown is a neighborhood uh, that is normally about, I don't know, sometimes just 10 blocks, sometimes 20, 30 blocks, a small, intimate, cozy community, and oftentimes, um, The people within Chinatown only speak Chinese, and they're immigrants. And this is the first place that they come when they come to this country, gives them the opportunity to start their lives here. And many of them save up their money, and eventually they're able to open up their own little restaurant or shop and create a life for themselves. It's it's part of the American dream, because we are a, a country of immigrants. America is a country of immigrants, and Chinatown actually represents the story of what it means to be American. And there isn't just one Chinatown. Many, many cities across the U.S. all have neighborhoods or communities in them that are their own Chinatowns. There is more than just one Chinatown. Uh, In the United States, there must be 50. 
There are historic Chinatowns in San Francisco and New York City that are over 150 years old. Oakland's Chinatown in California, I believe, is also at least 100 years old. Grace lives in New York City, and she noticed that around January or February of 2020, at the start of the coronavirus pandemic, her Chinatown in New York suddenly started to feel very different. The streets are normally busy. Normally there's cars, uh, bumper to bumper, and it was empty. I would look into restaurants or stores, and there were no customers, no tourists. And uh, meanwhile... In newspapers and on TV and radio, I started hearing people calling the coronavirus the China virus or the Wuhan virus. I think it scared people to come to Chinatown because they thought that if they came to Chinatown, they could catch the coronavirus, which is absolutely untrue. Grace saw that a community she loved was in trouble, and she wanted to do something to help. I started doing posts on Facebook and Instagram to remind people of street vendors who sell produce or shops or restaurants that these businesses needed our help and support. And many of these businesses, they were only making a teeny amount of money, and that wasn't enough to keep their uh, restaurants and stores going. And many of them were forced to close. And it isn't just the businesses Grace was worried about. It was the people, too. We've talked a little bit about racism on the show before. Racism is when people treat others unfairly because of their ethnicity or because of the color of their skin. It's a kind of discrimination that happens when people have hate in their hearts, and it causes a lot of harm and pain. And at the start of the coronavirus pandemic, there was a rise in anti-Asian racism and anti-Asian hate in our country. In January and February and March, there were lots of incidents of Asian Americans being attacked, assaulted, uh, people saying terrible things like, go back to China, you know, you don't belong here, people being hit. So it was absolutely real. And there were two viruses at that moment. We were scared of the coronavirus and anti-Asian hate virus, I would say. And as an Asian American, I think everybody was completely scared and stunned and frightened that this was the new normal in America, that we weren't safe. And so Grace took action. She started by reminding her friends and family to support their local Asian-owned businesses. Then that effort grew into a partnership with the James Beard Foundation to start the hashtag Save Chinese Restaurants Instagram campaign. She launched her own Support Chinatown Fund in partnership with Welcome to Chinatown in January of 2021 and raised $40,000 to provide nutritious hot meals for low-income and at-risk senior residents in New York City. And now she has partnered again with James Beard and this time Poster House, a museum in Manhattan, on a new social media campaign. And she needs our help. So I just started a new campaign with the James Beard Foundation and Poster House. And we're asking people to post a video or photo and for you to tell a story about why 
um, a restaurant. It could be Chinese, Korean, Thai, you know, any Asian American Pacific Islander restaurant um, means something to you. Tell us a story about why you love it. And then use the hashtag love AAPI. And that stands for Asian American Pacific Islanders. And post it on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. But the most important thing is to support these businesses because it's meaningless if we just post a picture or a video, right? These businesses are still hurting. So they're all still hanging by a thread. And if we don't show up and support these restaurants, these markets, these stores, we will lose them. I think uh, especially uh, historic Chinatowns like San Francisco and New York's Chinatown, which are over 150 years old, they, as I said before, they tell the story of what it means to be American. And they are as important as the Liberty Bell. In Manhattan's Chinatown, New York City's Chinatown, 94% of the businesses are mom and pop, little shops. They're not big chains and supermarkets or they're not Amazon. You know, they're just little businesses operated by a family. So they're really important to America. Mom and pop businesses are the backbone of this country. And so we really need to come out and show our support and tell these businesses that we love them by uh, spending our dollars there. And the best way to support Chinatowns across the U.S. is by visiting them. One thing that I would just like to add is if you've never been to a Chinatown, uh, I sure hope your parents will bring you to Chinatown or Koreatown, Japantown, Little Saigon. Um, these are really important communities. When you come to a place like Chinatown, they are one-of-a-kind businesses. Each one is completely unique. It's, it's like taking a trip to Asia. I've been going to Chinatown for years and there's always something new to discover. So it's a great place to explore and to spend your time. It's a great place to eat and to shop and to also appreciate um, the history of this country. In addition to the social media campaign, hashtag love AAPI, Grace Young has partnered with Poster House, a museum in New York City, and a videographer named Dan Ahn to create a video series called Coronavirus Chinatown Stories. It's available to watch on posterhouse.org or on YouTube. And go see if a city near you has a Chinatown that you can visit. Back to you, Molly. Thanks so much, Chad, and thanks to Grace Young as well. Hey, Molly! Andrea and I are here for how-to time. Hi, Molly. Wow, nice hat. Mitzi got me a black witch's cap. It's big and pointy, and I'm sort of obsessed with it. Even if we just missed Halloween, I feel like I can rock this bad boy year-round. Love it. I am bewitched. But maybe we should get to the point? Clever, because it's a pointy hat. Let's move on to our last segment of this episode, how-to time. Every week, our friend Andrea is going to teach Susie something new to up her arsenal of kitchen skills. Andrea is a test cook here at America's Test Kitchen Kids. That means she works on developing recipes and experiments for our cookbooks and things like the Young Chef's Club boxes. You can find out more about all that fun stuff by going to atkkids.com. Hey, Susie, are you ready for our lesson? Of course I am. 
Let's cut to the chase and get started. Gotta stay sharp. Wow, you're in a hurry today. <laughs> no, I'm just making knife puns because today we're gonna learn about knives and how to use them safely. Using a knife is something you and our young chefs at home can do as long as you are safe and have adult supervision. You're an adult, right? That's what they tell me. Well then, let's do it. You're a great teacher. Just don't mince your words. Today we're gonna to talk about the knife you'll use in the kitchen for nine out of 10 kitchen tasks, the chef's knife. Young chefs at home. A chef's knife has a long triangular blade attached to a handle and it's about eight inches long. Great description, Susie. For young chefs, depending on your age, you might be more comfortable using a smaller version of a chef's knife as it will be easier to hold and use. Can I have a smaller one? The big one you have seems too big for me. Of course, Susie. How does this one feel? Pretty good. Am I holding it right? That's a great question. Holding a knife correctly is very important. Just as important as how you hold the food you're cutting. First of all, you should use your dominant hand to hold the knife. I write with my left hand. Great, so it sounds like you're left-handed. There are two common grips for holding a knife, the control grip and the force grip. We're gonna stick with the control grip for today since it works best for most kids. Place your hand on the very top of the handle and actually grip the blade between your thumb and forefinger. Holding the knife this way gives you a lot of control over the blade. How does that feel? Good. I feel like I want to try it out. No problem. Since it's scallion week, I have some scallions here that you can practice on. But first, let's talk about the correct way to hold the food you're cutting. Oh, that sounds important. It is. You should hold food securely when cutting so it doesn't slip, but it's also important to protect your fingers from the blade. Always use the bear claw grip to hold food in place and minimize danger. Tuck your fingertips in, keeping them away from the knife. During the upward part of your slicing motion, reposition your guiding hand, the one that's holding the food, shifting it further along the food it's holding away from the knife for the next cut. For young chefs at home, you can go to atkkids.com slash knives101 for more information on knives and knife safety and to see pictures of the grips we've talked about today. And remember to always practice knife skills with the help of an adult, never by yourself. Okay, Susie, are you ready to try chopping some scallions? I'm a little nervous, but I'm ready. Okay. So when you're cutting small foods like scallions or celery stalks, remember to keep the tip of your knife down on the cutting board. Push the blade forward and down using the blade's curve to guide the middle of the knife through the food. The tip of the blade should touch the cutting board at all times. Okay, here goes nothing. I did it! Did I do it right? You did great! Those scallions look perfect. You'll be a chopping and slicing whiz in no time. Thanks to you. Thanks for teaching me about knives, Andrea. It's my pleasure, Susie. Well, I hate to cut and run, but I've got to get back to the kitchen. See you next week. See you next time, Andrea. Thanks again, Andrea. Hey, gang. Hey, Mitzi. What do you have behind your back there? Okay, so I was thinking about the hats I got everyone, and I'm so happy that they fit you all so well. I kind of realized, though, that maybe the hats I got myself don't really fit me, though. 
you know, the cloche is really pretty and the kangol is king cool, but uh, they don't fit me. Literally or figuratively? Well, I think both, but never fear, because I found the perfect headgear for me. It's a sport visor. It's got a moisture-wicking band for when it's hot out and you sweat a bit, and with the top open, I can stay easy brazy. And most importantly, it's got an adjustable band in the back so I can make sure it fits me. Sounds perfect for you. Plus, I look super sporty. I look like I could be on my way out the door to play a round of tennis or golf or volleyball. Wow! Do you actually play all those sports? I, uh, I dabble. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. We'll be back soon with more pungent content. We'll really grow our scallion knowledge in our pressing question segment, followed by something musical in our wild card. And remember, at the end of the season, we'll be using all of our ingredients in a very special mystery recipe to cook together. Can you guess what it is yet? If you love Mystery Recipe, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And if you liked this episode, share it with a friend. Or feel free to leave us a review. We love rating them. We also love you if you don't leave us a review. Until then, keep, keep on, on cooking. cooking. Hi, listeners. In a previous version of this episode, we included the phrase chop-chop during our segment about safe knife use. We have decided to remove that line because it was brought to our attention that the phrase chop-chop is rooted in both racism and classism. We apologize for not catching this before it aired and are committed to making sure the language we use supports the anti-racist approach our show strives for. We are always trying to do better and are grateful for the generosity, engagement, and understanding our listeners give, which allows us to make mistakes, learn, and continue making the show the best it can be. Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Molly Birnbaum, and I am a Sour Patch Kid. Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He's a peanut butter cup. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher. She's a lemon meringue pie. Andrea Vavjin is a Biscoff cookie, and Katie O'Hara is a chocolate brownie cookie, and they are both contributing writers on our show. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Anya Jeshik, strawberry shortcake, and Matt Boynton, an orange creamsicle, of ultraviolet audio. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme music and is a key lime pie. Our director of post-production is Ken Margolis. She's a cannoli. Our line producer is Diane Knox, who is a chocolate lava cake. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's a lattice-top peach pie. David Nussbaum is our CEO, and he's chocolate avocado pudding. Special thanks to our senior science editor, Paul Adams, executive editor, Kristen Sargianis, executive food editor, Susanna McFerrin, associate art director, Gabby Hamanoff, Senior Editor, Afton Cyrus. Associate Editors, Katie O'Hara and Tess Berger. Test Cooks, Andrea Vavjin and Cassandra Laughlin. And Assistant Test Cook, Kristen Bango. This entire episode was written by Katie O'Hara, and we loved it. We love you, Katie O'Hara. This episode featured the voices of Kira O'Sullivan and Brianna Maya. Thanks again to our sponsors, Kroger and Driscoll's. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kids.
Susie, I'm telling you, visors actually look way cooler when you wear them upside down. But doesn't that defeat the purpose of protecting your eyes from the sun? Yeah, kind of. But I could just wear sunglasses to solve that problem. Ah. Hey, Molly, how cool do I look? Even better than with the Kangol hat, right? I, I don't know how to react to this. I get it. You're a little awed by me. Molly, you too can look this cool. Because I didn't just get one visor for $19.99. I got two visors for $38.99. A real steal. You saved 99 cents, Mitzi. And gained double the fresh fashion. You're welcome. Hi, grown-ups. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter. If you love the fun food content we share on Mystery Recipe, then sign up today for our ATK Kids newsletter to receive even more recipes, activities, and stories from me straight to your inbox. As a mom of two, I always try to include things that are important to my family, and it's a great way to hear about all the new things we are cooking up at ATK. Plus, every new email added will be entered for a chance to win three free ATK Kids books for toddlers through teens. We'll draw 10 winners every month while the promotion lasts, and we have some great books available all the time. Head to atkkids.com newsletter to sign up today for your chance to win. 